0: Good morning, Souderton, and uh, good morning to all of you who join us online. I just want to say that we're really thankful that of all the choices you could have made and the places you could have been, uh, we're thankful that you've chosen to be here in this place. Uh, We believe that Calvary is a place where you can really find a lot of life. Um, And as Logan talked about and mentioned earlier, we just kind of last week, our senior leadership team uh, rolled out the priorities for Calvary really for the next two years. So there's nine things that we're kind of prioritizing because we believe we are called to connect to and impact not just people in this building and in this room, but also people locally, regionally, and across the globe. Uh, but my hope this morning is really to talk about the heart behind, or you know, kind of the, the why. Why are we even doing this? And so, I'm going to focus on two of the priorities. I'm going to be talking about our priority of connecting with partnerships regionally, and I'm also going to be talking about our priority of going off-site uh, to community groups for the, point of the purpose of connection. Um, so, really, the, the, the goal today is to talk about two things. Why are we even doing that? And How? Now, truthfully, I'm going to spend a lot more time on the why, because over time, the how will become clear. So for some of you who are looking for answers, in that sense, you might not get them. I'm just telling you now. But before I even address either question, uh, I, need to, I need to explain something. And uh, I'm going to be using a lens that, is, uh, that I think is really helpful, but it's a basketball term Uh, And so for those of you who don't sport, the stools, I hope, will explain the term, right? So you don't have to do the sports. It's okay. But I do think it's a helpful thing for us to do, okay, So to talk about. So here's the deal. In basketball, it has become uh, what I call a dunking and three-point game. Basically, if you don't do either of those things, no one cares, now, it, didn't, it wasn't always that way, and baseball's kind of the same way. It's a home run strikeout game, you don't do those things, no one cares, right? All sports are moving in that direction. But having said that, basketball, there's this idea that when the star player is getting ready to dunk, you do something called clearing the lane. Basically, get out of the way, So the star player can come in and show everyone why he's a star. Now, why do you do that? Because you really want everyone to see the player, right? If you don't clear the lane, not only does he have to be really good, but it's like no one's gonna see it. The point is, hey, come and see this, let me clear the lane. And so imagine this is the court, all these people are here, right? And they're just in the way, and it's like, well, you know, maybe. No, we gotta clear the lane. So this is what it means, okay? It's like, guys, move out of the way. But it's this idea of, like, we need you to move out of the way, but we don't want you to go away because why are you moving out of the way? It's because we want you to see what's about to happen. This dude or female, right, they're very good. Watch them do what they do. Clear the lane, right? So it's really an invitation to come and watch. Come and see. Okay? Okay, good. So just so you know... It's important that we understand that even if you don't sport. So the first question that we want to talk about then is, you know, why? Why regional partnerships? Why off-site community groups? And I can actually answer that one very quickly and succinctly. It's because the gospel compels us. Moving on. <laughs> um, but, but I will say this. If you're like, uh, it, I don't know, I was a teacher and I taught math, you're welcome, and so the idea is that this, I would have students who were sitting in my room, and there were words that I would use over and over, and then would kind of nod their heads like this. It was really just a nod, though, to say, like, oh, yeah, like, I'm supposed to know that. Like, yeah, that. Oh, okay, yeah, sure. But really, they didn't know what the word meant. Well, like, they did kind of, right? But, like, not fully, not completely. And so it was kind of like, yeah, sure. Uh-huh, the ad, we're going to add. Didn't really know. And so here's the deal. I feel like when I say that the answer is very simple, why? It's because the gospel compels us. I feel like the word gospel might be kind of like that. Now, you might say, yo, slow your roll. I know what the gospel is. Hey, that's great. I'm not, I'm just saying I have a feeling that it might be the kind of word that we would sit in this room and assume oh yeah, I'm supposed to know that, but really maybe not. Or maybe we just don't know it in its fullness. And so to talk about why, I think it's important that we go back and really take a look at what the gospel is. I think it's important because it really is the driver of why. And to do that, I need to go back to the beginning of the story. So how much time do we have? I'm kidding, I'm not gonna read through the whole thing. <laughs> but, but here's the deal, it does matter. So in Calvary, we have this like storyline of the Bible that you may or may not have seen, it, it's okay. But it's this idea that the story begins when God creates. And so this is kind of the idea that's happening in the beginning. God is creating and each day, there's more and more and more. So more things are showing up. It's just growing, it's more and more and more. Why is that happening? Because he's the God of more. But then in the story, on the seventh day, he does something different. He rests because he's also the God of enough. He's both and. He's the God of more, but he's also the God of enough. And in creating all of that more, he creates people. And so we have three characters who are kind of existing together in the beginning. It's the land and all of that that God has created. It's the people that God has created. And then the idea is that God is the third character existing with the land and the people. And he says to the people, hey, I want you to take care of the land. I also want you to take care of each other. And when you do that, you will clear the lane for me to show up. When you do those things, you will clear the lane for me to show up because the creator is actually in the creation with them. He's the one who's worthy of clearing the lane for. And so he says, you can have this, you can have this, you can have this, you can eat from these trees. But then he says, but don't eat from this one. Because he is the God of more, but he's also the God of enough. You have the more, that's enough. So it's great, right? (laughs) But then this is what happens. The people decide that God isn't enough. They want even more. And so they go to the thing he said not to. And they're like, hey, be God. But it wasn't meant to. What? No. See, we were supposed to clear the lane so we could come and see God show up. And they said, no, 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 no. I'm going to clear the lane, but I, wanna see, I want you to see me. And this is what they do. They start clearing the lane But see, their eyes are open, and they're open in a very ashamed way. And this is how they start clearing the lane. Oh, man, I'm so ashamed. Well, let me hide it. Let me clear the lane. And so what do they do? They go to the trees and the land, and they just start clearing the lane. And then, when they're done with that, they go to the people, and they just start Clearing the lane. And as they move all the way around it, there's no one left except themselves. And they can't understand why they're all alone. That's what we see in the story. Maybe it sounds familiar. Because you can gain and gain and get more and more, but you decided that God wasn't enough. You needed more. And you are clearing the lane. But we're clearing the lane by oppressing and suppressing the ones who were made to witness God show up. And that's how the story progresses. But this is what's awesome about the story, is that God says, okay, 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 listen, it was made and meant to be that you would clear the lane for me. I promise you, that you will be more. But remember, Israel, I'm enough. It's me. And he promises that he will deliver them from the suppression and oppression. He will do that. And this is what's crazy. Later in the Bible, in the book of Psalms, so like songs, poems, what we see is we see two illustrations of what this is supposed to look like and what it does look like. Which is crazy that even in the Bible we see both sides. It says in Psalm 66, Shout for joy to God, all the earth. Sing the glory of his name. Make his praise glorious. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. So great is your power that your enemies cringe before you. All the earth bows down to you. They sing praise to you. They sing the praises of your name. And here we go, come and see what God has done, his awesome deeds for mankind. Yo, clear the lane, clear the lane, he's coming. He's coming. Come and see it. And then it even talks about this idea that what did God do? He separated the waters so that they could walk across on dry land. Why? Because in case you didn't know, Israel had been enslaved for hundreds of years. And so what does God do? Because this is what God does. He clears the lane and says, come on through. Not because it's you who will deliver yourself, but it's because it's God who will deliver you. Who's the show that we're watching? it's god they have songs that talk about what they desire and long to be true because at some point and at one point it was but then there's also songs and poems that talk about what it had become so psalm 41 it says <clears throat> my enemies say of me in malice when will he die and his name perish When one of them comes to see me, he speaks falsely while his heart gathers slander. Then he goes out and spreads it around. All my enemies whisper together against me. They imagine the worst for me, saying a vile disease has afflicted him. He will never get up from the space where he lies, from the place where he lies. Even my close friend, someone I trusted, One who shared my bread has turned against me. This is suppression, and it's oppression. They are clearing the lane, but in just a hurtful and harmful way. But God is a God of promise. He's a God of more, and he is a God of enough. But this is something else that Scripture shows us or tells us. He's the God who sees. He's the God who sees all that's happening. God, do you see? Yes, he does. And because he saw, and because you were all, we were all created for the sake of clearing the lane for him, he does something more than they would have expected. He comes because he sees. Clear the lane. And this person named Jesus shows up. And how does he show up? He doesn't show up in this distant place from the people who are being oppressed. He shows up as one of the people who are being oppressed. Why? Because the whole point and purpose of creation was connection with the creator. The point was to be connected. And we said, no thanks, I'd rather be disconnected. He said, well, I've got to reconnect you. So what does he do? He shows up with physical eyes and physical ears to see what is happening and to hurt with those people, to hear the celebration and to be overjoyed with those people. He shows up in the form of a man named Jesus. And how do we know that he's more than just a man? Well, he starts to heal people. Heal people who felt less than whole. Because he's the God who makes us whole. He's enough. But then he does even more. He takes bread that should have only fed five people, and he grows it. Enough to feed 5,000. He takes water and introduces grapes into it and manipulates time so that the grapes ferment into wine because he's more than we expected. And he's enough. But there's one story in particular that I think is so compelling beyond the fact that he's just powerful. And it's the story of Lazarus. It says, um, these, are, these are Jesus' friends, by the way, the people that he was doing this life and ministry with, okay? Mary. When, says, when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died because you could heal him. Jesus, I know you have the power to, to do that. I've seen you do that. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her were also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said, come and see, Lord. And Jesus wept. And the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them were like, Could he not? He opened the eyes of a blind man. Couldn't he have just, like, prevented him from dying? Couldn't he have just done that? That would have been enough. Okay? So as the story goes on, he goes, um, came to the tomb, and there was a cave, you know, where the stone had been rolled in front of it, and he says, take away the stone. And Martha, the sister of the dead man, that's my family, right? This is my family. She says, Lord, by this time, it, it stinks. He's been there for four days. And then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? Martha, clear the lane. Clear the lane, Martha, and watch And so then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of people standing here, that they may believe that you have sent me. And when he said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And he did. What do you mean? I thought that, I thought if they died, they were done. And Jesus says, nope, that's not a problem for me. I'm not just a God of enough. You thought it would have been enough for me to keep him from dying. Watch this. Bow. Kick the door down. Get that boy out of there. Right? Because he's the God of more than we expect. And so imagine this kind of power showing up to a people who had been oppressed and underneath the feet of people in power, You're like, yo, this is the dude who's supposed to, he's supposed to take us out of this. This is the one that the words have been talking about forever. Come on now, like clear the way. And then this is something crazy that then happens. Jesus is entering into Jerusalem. And he says to his disciples, hey, there's a donkey that's going to be tied up. Go get it. Tell the people, You tell them that the Lord wants it. They'll know, they'll send it. And it happens because Jesus is like, this prophecy needs to be fulfilled. It says, Say to daughter Zion, see, your king comes to you. Gentle and riding on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. And his disciples went. They brought the donkey and they're covering the donkey and Jesus is riding in on the donkey while everyone is around him, clearing the lane for this king to come in power because he comes and clearly God is behind him from all the stuff that he's done, right? Like, this dude knows what he's doing clear the lane and watch. See, your king is coming. But this is what's beautiful about it. It's It's an invitation to come and see it. He's coming humbly and gently. See, there's this distinction there. And so imagine all of this stuff is happening. People are walking out of caves. They were dead, now they're not. This is the dude. And then he's murdered. He's murdered. He's thrown onto a cross and left to suffocate on his own blood. And he's thrown into a tomb, and he's lifeless. He had all the power. He's the one that told Lazarus to come out. Who's gonna tell him to come out? Jaw. Come on now. Little did they know he's going to clear the lane. Why? Because he's the God. He's not just a person, he's the God of more. There's more to be done. And so he grabs death by the neck and he says, That's enough. Because he's also the God of enough. Throws him to the side. Kicks open that tomb, the ground shakes, and the angels show up. The women are like coming to just mourn the loss of their friend, and the angels show up and they say, don't be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus. He was crucified. He is not here. He has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Clear the lane, Let's clear the lane, and just watch the show. No one there left his clothes. Do you know what they got in the garden when their shame and their eyes were opened? They got clothes. Do you know what Jesus left behind? Those clothes. We don't need them. Let's go. Here we are. Come on now. That doesn't get you hype. But here's the deal. For some of y'all, it's like, I don't know if that really gets me hyped because, Jeremiah, that happened a long time ago. It's pretty cool. Why does it matter? It's because Jesus didn't just do that. He then said to his disciples, hey, I'm going to go. But when I go, my spirit is going to be in you so that wherever you go, I'll go with you. And, Calvary, how do we know that's true? Because none of y'all are from, well, you might be from Asia, but most of us aren't from there. (laughs) How did it get here? It got here because people back then took the Spirit into them by what Jesus had done. And they have now gone so that we can exist here and hear about the God of the universe who came to heal us. But this is another thing. Gosh, this is a thing I just need. Listen, listen. When Jesus came back from the dead, he had scars. Now, sometimes we think, you know, know, whatever. Like, he had scars. Yeah, of course. What do you mean, of course? He had scars. Shouldn't they be gone? Well, this is what I just, this is what I want to say. Scars are evidence that healing has happened but they're also evidence that what caused the hurt also happened. If anyone ever says you need to forgive and forget, I would say, (laughs) that's not the Jesus I know. Those scars aren't gone. Oh, it happened. Don't forget. But because he heals you, you'll be able to forgive. Healing can come they can come in this place. So what, why are we doing this? We're doing it because the gospel compels us. But what is the gospel? It's the idea that God sees us, so he came. He heals us and makes us whole because he's enough. Side note, have any of you ever um, heard someone say, like, I'm saved? Like maybe if, you, if you're not, if you're like new to the faith, that's like really weird. I'm saying it anyways, but maybe you've heard somebody say, oh, I'm saved. You know, like Jesus saved me, right? He's my savior. Okay. The word in Greek for saved also can be translated as healed or made whole. He absolutely is your savior, but you're also healed and made whole. And that is the reason that we can believe that he is enough. You are made whole just enough. But this news is so compelling that we can't keep it here because the whole point was to clear the lane and have people come and watch what God can do. He cleared the lane for you. Go tell other people about him and watch him clear the lane in ways that we could never have expected because he's the God of enough but he's also the God of much, much more. Now, that's just the why. We could probably end it, but I do wanna talk about how. <clears throat> how are we gonna do this? How are we gonna partner with people in the region? And how are we gonna go off, how's this gonna happen? Well, I need us to understand something. We're gonna to need to clear the lane So that we can do this together. That's how we're going to do it. But you might be like, what do you, clear the lane of what? Like, what do you mean, clear the lane? So let's take a look at 1 Corinthians 9. Paul, um, he writes, Though I am free and I belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone, to win as many as possible, because it is an invitation to come and see. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I am not, you know, I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law. I'm under Christ's law. So as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save or heal or make whole some. I do this for the sake of the good news of the gospel that I might share in its blessings, share because we're going to do it together. So what do we need to clear the lane from? We talk about here three kind of things. Absolutes, convictions, and preferences. You're probably going to have to clear the lane of your preferences and maybe your convictions. But we won't clear it of the absolutes. That's where the gospel is and what it is. We're not going to clear that. But our convictions and our preferences, we might need to clear it. Why? Because we want people to join us and see what God is doing. We want people to join us. And so, Calvary, moving forward with this regionally, we're looking to partner with people. God is everywhere, right? We're looking to go where He is everywhere and partner with people and to see how God is moving in that space. And so actually this morning, we have a video of one of the ministries we're going to partner with. So let's take a look at that on the screen. Hi, my name is Rob
1: Whitmire, pastor of Grace and Peace Community Fellowship Church. And I'm also the executive director of Timoteo Sports here in Philadelphia. Uh, What Timoteo is, Timoteo is a sports ministry discipleship program that the Lord has blessed us with to be able to minister to young people in North Philadelphia,
2: Kensington area, and beyond. The word Timoteo is in Spanish, Timothy. It
1: comes from the idea of Paul ministering to a young man, Timothy, and raising him up as a leader.
2: I started with Timoteo when I was about 12 years old. Um, Considering that the league goes from 13 to 18, I just started doing game day jobs, weird jobs like doing stats doing the sticks, things like that, to just make some extra money during the week. And um, I did that until I was 16. Then I started playing, played for three years. Right after I finished playing, I started coaching. And I believe this is my fourth or fifth year coaching now. I'm a recent graduate from uh, LaSalle University. And um, I actually just got offered a position to teach at my old high school um, today. Throughout my whole life, I never really knew what I wanted to be, never knew what I wanted to do. But Timoteo really helped me realize that I want to serve my community. You know, I love being around kids. That's what I want to do for the rest of my life. Timoteo, I've been doing it for free for the last four years. And if I can make a career out of it, touching people's lives and doing what I enjoy doing, why not do it? When I was younger, Timoteo was just a safe haven to go have fun with your friends. But now, looking back, to be
1: honest, it's another family for me. Hi, my name is Gabriel Wang Herrera. I'm the pastor of By Grace Alone Church in the Frankfurt area of Philadelphia. I'm also the uh, newly appointed uh, Director of Development for Timoteo Sports in the city here. And just excited to be in partnership with Calvary Church. And we've been in partnership for, I would say about almost 10 years now. And I remember back in 2013 when we had our first fall festival in the city, Um, just having Calvary folks come down and and help support and and give us some great assistance uh, and freeing us up really uh, to to engage the community. And it's been great and and us coming up to Calvary at different points, whether it be uh, to see Carson Wentz or to to, uh, kind of engage with the community here, uh, it's been great, it's been a great partnership and we pray and hope that we'll continue it on and I'm excited that even in terms of Timoteo, that Calvary is excited to be a part of uh, the ministry here of raising up young men and women um, using sports as a vehicle to bring them to the gospel.
0: So, what's really neat? Um, this, is, this, guys, this, this is crazy. So I actually just, I was a teacher in Northeast Philly for the last four years. I taught at a charter school called Northwood Academy, and uh, I left that job because I felt called to be here, okay? So I'm supposed to preach on this, and on Friday, they sent me this video just so I can see, you know, see it before I talk about it. When Devon Mandy came on the screen, I thought, Mandy? I taught Amisha Mandy, and I you know, kind of checked in on that, and uh, I realized that Devon is Amisha's brother. Calvary didn't just interview Devon, they interviewed other people, but somehow not knowingly, Devon was chosen to be in this video. I know Devon's family, but this is, guys, what I wanted to be able to do <laughs> is to tell you the success I had when I taught in the city because of how I cleared the lane for God to show up, right? I wanted to pick a story that I could say, this is what it looks like. But if, you, uh, if you're a teacher, you'll know what I'm talking about. If you're not, you might not. We sometimes have students that it just didn't work with. As much as we celebrate those who it did, there are still people who it didn't work with. For me, dang, it was Amisha. It didn't work. It didn't go well. I got so frustrated with her because she would show up and just just wouldn't have her homework, wouldn't even have her binder, never had a pencil, cursing at me under her breath, also over her breath, just cursing, just all the time. And I was just like so frustrated because I was just like... Why can't you just have a pencil? I'll give you the paper. Can you bring a thing to write with? Right? And every teacher is lying if they say in their minds that you haven't said that. And everyone who's watching is also like, oh, of course you bring a pencil. Newsflash, no, they don't. (laughs) No, they don't. In case you didn't know. But if I had just taken a second to ask why, then I would have found out. The Devon and Amisha's life had just been riddled with trauma. And I was so mad that she wouldn't bring a pencil. And what I couldn't see was it was a miracle that she'd even showed up in the first place. I couldn't clear the lane. But why are we going to partner with ministries like Timoteo and Freefall in Quaker Quakertown doing the same thing with skaters? Once again, maybe it ain't your preference. You don't skate, you don't scoot. But, but guys, it's because, it's because they know how to clear the lane and let God do his work. Because what they're doing is saying, we might not prefer it, but we know you need a safe place to exist so you can hear about the one who will make you whole. Calvary, we need to clear the lane of our preferences and maybe our convictions because the invitation is for the God of the universe to put on the show that only he can put on. We've got to clear the lane so we can watch the show. And so my my message this morning is real simple. Will you come with us and see all that God will do in the places that we go because of who he is? And because of the gospel. Let me pray for us. Let me pray for us before we go. God, I just thank you that you show up in such a real way to look into the eyes of people who hurt because you see not just the outside, but the inside. And God, you came not just to save the outside, but also the inside. And you go inside the tomb to come back out and show the death is no match (sighs) to show that that's enough. And God, I pray for each and every one of us in this room that you would help us to clear the lane because you are more than we think. And when we don't go into these places, we just won't see it. God, take us into those places, help us clear the lane And God, help us to know that no matter what happens, you are enough. We love you and pray these things in your son's name. Amen.